это выпуск подкаста на английском. Выпуски на русском языке можно найти на нашем сайте. This episode of the podcast is in English. For episodes in Russian, please visit our website. Listening to Sex Positivity with Whitey, the podcast where we talk about all aspects of sexuality, youth involvement, and taking down the patriarchy. Hi, you guys! We are back. I am Sia Caroline, and I have with me Laura, another Whitey-er. Hi, Laura. How's it going? Hi, Sia. I am well, thanks. And you? Great, thanks. So, what are we going to talk about today? Today's topic is going to be what sex positivity means to young transgender people. Yes, let's start by giving you guys a little overview. We are first going to explore what the term transgender and non-binary can mean in regards to gender. Then we will highlight a couple of historical moments, including activism and days of celebration for transgender people. Why, Sia? Well, Laura, because not all our listeners may know that much about sex positivity or transgender people, and therefore may need a little bit of introduction. Yes, good idea. And after a little chat, we have invited some cool people to talk to us about what exactly sex positivity means to young trans trans people and hear from their own experiences. Yes, we are so excited to share this with you all. So, a way of starting this, maybe we should talk a little bit about gender. Yeah, so gender is your internal sense of self, who you feel you are, whether that's male, female, or perhaps you don't feel strongly to any particular label about gender. In our societies, our genders often links to ideas of mascul masculinity, femininity, stereotypes, or other things. Your gender can, however, be expressed in a number of ways. Some common examples include clothing, behavior, or pronouns. Yes. So if your gender is the same as you were assigned to at birth, and you feel like that gender as well, this is known as cisgender. So we are both cis women. Right. If you feel your gender is different to the one you were assigned at birth, you may identify as trans or non-binary. But also keep in mind that if you are a cis man and likes to dress in women's clothing. Or gender neutral does not automatically make you trans or a non-binary person. Yes, you decide who you want to be and what gender box you fit into, and this may take some time. And it's part of figuring out life and how you want to live yours. So, what is a transgender person, Laura? A transgender person is someone who does not conform with their assigned gender or sex at birth. Trans is, however, also a broad umbrella term. In general, it refers to anyone who who isn't cis and is inclusive of a range of identities, such as trans women and trans men. And what is then a non-binary person, Thea? A non-binary person may be someone who feels their gender cannot be defined within the margins of gender binary. Instead, they understand their gender in a way that goes beyond simply identifying as either a man or a woman. Did you get that, listeners? Mm-hmm. Well. We also have some resources for you if you would like to know more about trans history, activism, or the use of language. So now that we have a general understanding of what transgender and non-binary means, let's talk a little bit about pride. 
Although Pride Month June is long over, I think we should start by mentioning a very influential person to the LGBTQI community and rights movement. Marsha P. Johnson. The P stands for Pay It No Mind, which refers to her gender. Laura, tell us a little bit about Marsha, please. Of course, Marsha was a trans rights activist, an African-American, a sex worker, and a very prominent person in the Stonewall riots, which is often pinpointed as the start of the LGBTQI plus movement. That's right. You know, who knows where the LGBTQ plus rights would be today without her. And therefore, it's very important to point out her minority background and the strength she brought to the movement. She's often described as a queen, full of light and passion for the movement. As well as pointing out that transgender people have been at the heart of queer liberation from the very beginning. And if you want to know more about her and her impact, there is a very interesting documentary on Netflix that we recommend. So in this episode, we truly want to point out sex positivity and the celebration of transgender people and non-binary. Yes, so worth mentioning is therefore Trans Visibility Day, which is March 31st. This day has been dedicated to celebrate trans and non-binary people all around the world and the courage it takes to live openly and authentically while also raising awareness around discrimination of trans people still face today. My own organization, SNU, got actually to do a little project this year for Trans Visibility Day, where more than six trans and non-binary people put together a little video of what this day means to them and how they celebrate themselves, which was amazingly done and so naturally open disclosed. That's wonderful. And good point about openness. Maybe we can get a little bit into how important it is to have an intersectional approach to this episode. Well, you know, we already touched upon that, but let's explore this term a little bit more. Yes, great idea, Laura. So when we mentioned Marsha P. Johnson, we did not only want to highlight her because of what she meant to the LGBTQI plus community, but also how diverse she was and how much of societal pressure she must have been under. Exactly, because she was outside the norm in so many ways. Now, today, there is still a strong sense of conformity to norms and what is actually defined as normal, which is why we want to highlight how important it is to talk about not just the struggles for trans and non-binary people, but also how sex positivity needs to be, to be included in this because it is a human right. Yes, let's also mention a victory for trans community in recognition and definition. According to VHO, gender incongruence is categorized by a marked and persistent incongruence between an individual's experienced gender and the assigned sex. This term has been used since the 2019 revision of the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems and will come into effect on January 1st, 2022. Because in the previous version, this term was called transsexualism and gender identity disorder. Once the term was revised, its place in the ICD was also changed from mental and behavioral disorders to conditions related to sexual health. This was a widely positively accepted change as trans people were no longer considered as mentally ill, which is quite frankly, a very damaging rhetoric to use about someone who is a transgender. 
Their experience was accompanied with much stigma and discrimination. According to the WHO, inclusion of gender incongruence in the ICD should ensure transgender people's access to gender-affirming health care, as well as adequate health insurance coverage for such services. Yes, there is however still stigma or at least difficulties when starting the process of using gender-affirming healthcare services. Let's listen to someone who has gone through this process. So today I have with me a former work colleague from my youth organization in Norway, SNU. Please welcome, Adrian. Hello. <laughs> so happy you could join me today. Or us, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, please tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, okay. Yeah, I've been in SNU, same as you. Uh, currently, I'm living in Stavanger. Just working and yeah, just working, uh, enjoying life. <laughs> other, yeah. Yes. yes. Okay, great. Um, so now I know you a little bit, but for our listeners, I think it's maybe especially important in this episode to ask what is your preferred label or pronoun. So my is, I mean, I am a cis woman who uses the labels she and her. What is yours, Adrian? Yes, I, I am a trans man and I use the pronouns he, him. Great. Uh, thank you for that. And so in this episode, we are going to talk about what sex positivity means to young transgender people. And... Uh, we have prepared some questions for you, and we are very curious to know more about that. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So our first question is, generally, what comes to mind when you think about sex positivity for young trans people? Yes. Um, I think it's kind of the same that with everyone, but especially maybe learning to be comfortable just with the body you have. Uh, regardless if you choose to change something or regardless if you're able to change something about your body or not with yes. hormones or surgery or yeah so just learning to be comfortable with your body mostly yes so is that what it means to you to be sex positive um yeah <laughs> I think so, yeah. Just being Great. comfortable with yourself and yeah. Yes. Yes, we talk a lot. Yeah. That you should be comfortable in your body regardless of what that is, yes. Yes. Um, so my second question is a little bit more personal. Has your relationship to your sexuality changed as your relationship to your gender expression has? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I know at least before I came out and before I started hormones and that whole thing, I was not sex positive at all uh, with myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, only... Uh, sorry. Um, I think just starting hormones and being viewed as, yeah, who I am uh, by others and not just myself helped a lot, um, with, yeah, my relationship 
to my sexuality. Um, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm just a little nervous. No worries. Yeah. Um, no, but yes, it's changed a lot. Um, the more masculine I get, the more comfortable I am in my body and how I express my sexuality and my identity. And yeah. Great. I'm very happy for you that you feel more comfortable now and that your sexuality has changed so you can view yourself as a true you and others can too. Yes. Um, so the theme of this episode is um, positive kind of like experiences and uh, we want to relate to positive things. But is there something that you would like to share um, that is especially positive related to your sexuality through the process of coming out as a trans person? Um, I think what's helped the most is just realizing that you don't have to have a special kind of body or um, fill out some kind of special mold for how your body supposed to be or how you're supposed to act out your sexuality um just realizing that no matter how my body is as long as i'm comfortable with it i don't need to have this kind of anatomy or this kind of anatomy or mm -hmm. um yeah just kind of coming to terms with that even though I'm a trans man and I want to be viewed as a man, I don't need to have yeah, a penis or I don't need to have a completely flat chest without scars or anything to be able to have other people see me as male. And yes, also regarding who I want to have sexual relationships with. Mm -hmm. And um, from hand-on experience, what has been a positive change in society's acceptance towards yourself? I mean, if you can't think of any positive experiences, <laughs> please also do share um, some negative experiences that you have encountered in society. Yeah, uh, I think society's become so much more open than it was just a few years ago um it's changed a lot and i feel that at least now there's more positive than negative uh reactions um i <laughs> i can't think of any uh it's just, just that's an great overall... though that's great <laughs> yeah it's just an overall like feeling about how society is now compared to yeah, when I first came out in like 2016, uh, you know, nobody had almost heard about trans people. Um, but now almost everybody know at least something about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a great progress. Yes. So my fourth question is, do you feel people can achieve becoming sex positive on their own? Or how was your approach in achieving this state? The person, of course. Um, for me, it was a bit of, yeah, just working on myself, but also 
following people in social media and knowing people in real life um, who had a more positive approach uh, to their sexuality than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took a lot of work. Um, and of course, it depends on the person if it's achievable on your own or not. Yes, of course, yes. So you mentioned social media. Is there something or someone you you wanted to um, give a shout out to? Someone that you follow <laughs> that you have influenced you or that you think is uh, really cool on social media? Um, I know um, there's one trans man I've followed for many, many years on YouTube. Uh, he also has an Instagram, but on YouTube he has uh, this series where he reviews different sex toys um, as a trans man. Oh, that's uh, cool. His name's Chase Russ, or I think the YouTube it's uppercase Chase. I think. Great. Yeah, he's Great. a lot of fun. Uh, he has a lot of lot of videos. So mentioning sex toys, I'm just gonna jump right into that. Um, yeah. Would you like to share, or have you have any um, insights to what <laughs> um, you know some positive experiences when you have had to do with dating or exploring sex or exploring tech sex toys? You know, um, was it like you listened to his YouTube videos and then you wanted to try something of your own, or? <laughs> Uh, a bit. Uh, I mean, my approach or my experiences with sex toys have been a bit ambivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like them at first because I thought that as a trans man, I shouldn't enjoy things that were meant for more, you know, traditional female uh, genitalia. Because if I liked that, that it meant that I liked having a vulva and a vagina and then I wasn't trans enough mm-hmm. um so there was a lot of work with that but now I have a very good <laughs> relationship with sex toys uh they're a lot of fun um and yeah <laughs> um, yes they are <laughs> yeah they are <laughs> um but dating I haven't dated a lot um but i've had hookups which have been both i mean mostly bad (laughs) but some good experiences uh i think when i first came out as trans and wanted to try having some um what's it called some sex experiences uh i gravitated towards people that maybe saw me more than of a fetish than just as a kind of Human person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was, I mean, it wasn't the best experience in the world. Uh, but, you know, I grew from it. I learned some things. And then in later years, I've had some very good sex experiences um, with people that just saw me as... <laughs> another person uh not just as a trans man um Mm -hmm. so it's been good yeah great 
Yes, we also learn going through several experiences, even if they're bad or even if they're weird or awkward. Um, yeah, yes. uh, it helped a lot <laughs> being more comfortable with myself and just, you know, um, knowing that I deserved better and that, yeah, I could get better than just someone wanting to have sex with me because I was trans. Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes. Um, how is the warped image of a person's body, especially the way media portrays it, affected you as a young trans person? Um, I think, at least in my personal opinion, I think the um, born in the wrong body uh, narrative is harmful um, because it... I mean, I just, I don't like the whole born in the wrong body because, you know, it's no wrong way to have a body um, and your body is your body. And I think when we say that we were born in the wrong body, it means that every trans person should want to achieve um you know, the closest they can get to a cis body, which for a lot of people, it isn't possible. And also, it isn't want what every trans person wants. I mean, a lot of people, sure, they want to um, mm -hmm. have as close as possible as uh, to a cis body, but it's... I think it's harmful to portray the narrative that every trans person should want to look a certain way. I agree, it's very harmful. And it can put very disturbed images in young people's minds if you try to achieve something that may never be achievable for you because of lack of, you know, yeah. um, support or even the lack of getting the right hormones or the right surgeries and that's very um expensive first of all and there's not every country or every society that supports this change or and um yes it's very harmful i agree and i think also in regards to body positivity and sex positivity um if we portray the narrative that you should want your body to be a certain way um, as a trans man, you should want to have a penis, um, you should not be comfortable having breasts, you should not be comfortable having uh, a vagina, um, then it does something uh, with your possibility to have a positive approach to uh, sex, because mm -hmm. you kind of believe that uh, you can't be happy with your body until you've achieved what you're supposed to achieve. And for some people, if they want to achieve that, it can take a lot of years. Uh, it takes a lot of money. Um, yeah, it just it takes a lot from you to get mm -hmm. to this end station that doesn't really exist. Yeah, and even if you get to the end station, I mean, if you did all this because you felt pressured to become this 
then you may not even be happy at the end with what you actually got because maybe that wasn't meant to be for you the way you want it to be. And so that added mm. pressure is, is very dangerous. Yes, exactly. I mean, uh, I know at least for my own sake, um, I've been on hormones for a little over three years now. Um, I've had surgery to remove my breasts. And I mean, I'm happy with that. Mm -hmm. um, and I know at least when I first started, I kind of viewed it as an impossible project to, yeah, that to be trans, you should want to go all the way. You should want all the surgeries. And I mean, especially like in Norway, there's one, um a route to go if you want to get help from the government to have it for free and they're at least the way it's it's now they're very pushy that you should uh want all the things that you should want all the surgeries that you should want to get sterilized um to yeah to get go all the way and they're kind of pushy uh, on the narrative that, I mean, I remember I was there for uh, a year back or something, and we were talking about uh, if I wanted uh, no about surgeries and what I wanted, and uh, the person, the practitioner I was talking to um, said that, you know, and of course you want to remove your uterus and all of that because you know imagine being a 50 year old man with beard and everything and then you're in the waiting room at the gynecologists and it's just embarrassing you know that's what he said to you uh yes wow. <laughs> kind of just pushing that that to be a man with a uterus is embarrassing and you shouldn't want to you know go to the gynecologist as a man wow uh so it's just harmful. Um, and I mean, with even that's the people that's supposed to help you. It's also, um, it's hard to be positive when, yeah, when that's the people that's supposed to help you. And that's the kind of narrative that they're um, approaching. Yeah, definitely. How, how did you feel after that appointment, if I may ask? Uh, I never went back. No, exactly. Wow. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, because um, I know at least for... Um, I mean, I'm happy having a uterus. Um, and I don't... I mean, it doesn't make me feel any less... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but... I think, at least for me, I know I can never be like 100% cis and I don't want that either. I like being trans um, and I think I've kind of made my own image of what it means to me to be a man. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I mean, I'm completely happy with that. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, that's sort of like what you wish for to achieve, you know, just being happy with yourself and your body and accepting it and 
and that's really good that you that you did that and that you're happy now and uh oh my god that practitioner should be fired i mean what the <laughs> hell well thank you for sharing that was a very intimate and nice conversation and i hope that yeah. um our listeners take something positive out of this conversation too yeah i hope so too um so for my final question um Many of our YSF community work as sex educators, and we would very much like to know, I mean, you have also some experience in sex educating, um, yes. but if there was anything someone said to you while growing up or that has come into your life and um, as a sex educator and helped you become more accepting towards your own sexuality, specifically as a trans person. Um... I can't really think of anything that was said to me when I was younger. I mean, the sex education in Norway is kind of lacking. Mm -hmm. um, but so the most of the things I've learned is later on uh, when I've when I kind of worked with it and learned more as an adult. Um, but I think just... Um, Wait, what, what was the question again? <laughs> uh, if someone had, you know, uh, helped you in becoming more acceptable or accepting to your sexuality, um, specifically as a trans person. But I mean, if there's something that you learned through when you were a sex educator yourself, maybe that's something you could share. Like, um, did you learn anything from when you had to make presentations for other kids or other young people? Uh, in regards to trans? Yeah, I think just realizing that young people is a lot more open um, about, yeah, everything. And mm -hmm. just when educating, uh, keeping in mind that some of the people there is going to be trans, is going to be uh, gay, is going to be non-binary. And there's a lot of different people uh, not just having the standard uh, hetero sex talk helps a lot of people uh, and just not just having um, not just talking about sex but also about sexuality and body positivity and sex positivity it helps a lot yes um, so also like talking about different genders and different sexual orientations is something yes. that I think young people do a lot more these days than maybe even in school. Um, so I think that is a very good point. Um, what is the most important ideas um, that you really wish someone of today's sex educators would communicate, communicate to young people? Oof, that's, <laughs> it's a difficult question. Yeah. Um, pick something. Pick something out of the lot. <laughs> yeah. I just think just taking your own time uh, and also remembering that no matter if you're cis, if you're trans, uh, whatever you are, everybody has a different body, a different sexuality, a different approach to what mm -hmm. positivity, uh, body positivity, sex positivity means to you. And just taking it in your own tempo um you know someone is has it all figured out when they're 15 
someone takes a lot more time. So just take your time and you're not like everybody else. And yes. just realizing that, I think it's very important. That's a very good point. Did you listen, sex educators? Please <laughs> include <laughs> that from now on, if you don't already. So I think this concludes our interview. I thank you so much for coming and doing this with me. This was awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. It was <laughs> fun. Uh, I was a little bit nervous, but I think I... I got most of what I want to say. So Yeah. Is there any final words that you would like to share? Uh, I mean, it's just uh, reiterating the, um, you know, take everything in your own time. Um, research, there's so much out there to watch and help you grow as a person and just, yeah, take everything in your own time. Great. So this is probably the ba the way to conclude this. So take things in your own time, kids. This is what we learned today. And now a big welcome to another dear guest of mine, Christine. Christine, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, my name is uh, Christine Marie Gentoft. I live in Samvika in Norway with my girlfriend and uh, my daughter of nine. Um, uh, my day job is that I'm a hairdresser, and during the evenings I fight transphobes. Well, um, <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Double life. Yes, but not like, I don't fight them in real life. I fight them verbally writing, um, writing articles for the newspaper, appearing in various news thingies, uh, radio, TV podcasts yeah yes. huge. through academic yeah <laughs> yeah through an academic way of beating yes them. well they're they usually um i find that the public approves more beating people uh verbally with logic and reasoning rather than beating them with the, your fists which people seem to oh, yeah. frown upon in general so yeah <laughs> <laughs> But I agree. No <laughs> violence needed. No, it's not necessary. Um, I'm s no, right. So I'm so happy you could join me today. Um, before we get to the questions, I want to emphasize once again for our listeners that asking someone for their preferred label can be important in getting to know someone, but not always is necessary. But let's just do it here. Um, so as you guys know, I am a cis woman who prefers the label she and her. What are yours, Christine? I uh, use the la I I use the pronouns uh, she and her as well. Uh, as a transgender woman, uh, I've seen a lot of people use. Uh, they like to say that they prefer pre have preferred pronouns, but it's not a mm -hmm. preference for me. As I I use she and her use she and her. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's not a it's not a debate or a preference for my part. Mm. Yes. Okay. Mm. Good to know. Uh, well, I have some prepared questions for you that I like to know a little bit more about. Mm -hmm. So our first question is, what generally comes to mind when you hear the words sex positivity for young trans and non-binary people? Um, well, it usually means, uh, well, I, I get the association that people um, uh, want to be positive about their sex life and sexuality in general. 
because uh, there's a lot of mm-hmm. shame often connected to it, or that the second you come out as a trans person or non-binary person, sort of your sexuality disappears. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's usually uh, for a lot of them, uh, it means uh, both discovering and taking back their sexuality simultaneously uh, that they uh, s- start to enjoy it again, maybe, for example, or start to discover their bodies in a different way and start to discover mm-hmm. that body in relations with other people's body. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that what it means to you, being sex positive? Yeah, actually it quite is. Now, now I've been out for uh, ooh, about 10 years plus somewhere around there wow yeah and you know uh after uh coming out dating and stuff was to be honest super tricky because it's like you can flirt but then you get down and to the sex stuff and maybe you haven't Mm -hmm. had a talk about how you prefer your body to be touched or how they prefer their body to be touched and um what feels good to you what feels good to them what's a super no-no for example if you have dysphoria Mm -hmm. towards your own body it's like maybe you don't want people to touch you right there for example maybe that will send you into a super dysphoric not attack but uh an episode so (laughs) which can totally ruin the mood and um and then so your partner and yourselves need to be like patient toward that and um that could be Mm -hmm. tricky yeah so probably a lot of Communication is needed in um, getting to know someone. Definitely. But that is something I recommend everybody do. Not just trans people. It's like, please communicate with your partners. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I agree. Uh, It's more like, once again, communication is key. That's what I meant. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So on a more personal note, has your relationship towards your sexuality changed as your relationship to your gender expression has? In what way do you mean? Because like I I I'm I'm pretty basic in that way. I used to before I came out, I preferred women and people who identify as women. Mm-hmm. And after I came out, I prefer women and people who identify as women. Uh some a bit boring. Uh well, it- <laughs> No, no. Well, that's just a change, too. I mean, you just, you you know, realize that what you already liked towards uh, in, in sex, you know, that's what you wanted all along. So yeah. that doesn't need to, um, or that doesn't seem like it changed all that much more. Maybe you, just yourself, like your, your expression then, but not your sexuality. Yeah, well, a lot of people assume when you come out that your sexuality switches to the opposite quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh, like my dad asked me when I came out, uh, he's like, well, does that mean you prefer men now? And I was like, have mm-hmm. you ever seen me take a man home who's not a buddy? It's like, <laughs> the fuck I'm going to start like men for right now? No. Um, but uh, I think what has changed is because I, I label myself as a lesbian, but uh, mm-hmm. what has changed is that I am more open for the idea that people who don't necessarily identify as women can attract me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay, so that's that's kind of a yeah, because like uh, it's also important to note that before I came out, especially when I was like a young teenager, I had 
I grew up in a very homophobic environment. And uh, so, mm-hmm. like, for example, because I was perceived as a man. And if I were to admit at that point that I like, you know, I could find a man attractive, that would be like the biggest sin ever. Uh, oh, yeah. So, but after I came out and stuff, it was like more easy to say, yeah, that dude actually looks hot. So, yeah. <laughs> Not that that has happened a lot, because it actually doesn't. No. But um, I'm more open for the idea that uh, n- sexuality can be a bit fluent. Uh, fluid, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, I, c- I could possibly be attracted to a dude. Doesn't. R- yeah, I mean, that's not necessary. This question was morally just, um, you know, just to debunk sort of the myth that some people think that um, the relationship towards their sexuality must change when they change their sex or gender expression, but. You clearly have no. it, so that myth is just right out there. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so we would also like to know from hand-on experience what is what has been some sort of positive change in society and towards accepting yourself. And if you can't think of any positive experiences, you're more than welcome to share a bad experience too. However, um, you know, just if you have a positive you know, experience in society meeting people, then uh, please share that. But do you mean like in general acceptance towards trans people or me specifically? <laughs> oh, yeah, to you. And I mean, um, somewhat related to you as a trans, but definitely towards you, you know, you're in your environment, maybe, or, you know, something that um, teachers have said throughout your life or people that you met through work. Um, little things, you know, because acceptance towards um, a, a broader society is always through individuals, kind of. Yeah, well, because uh, this is this is where being having been like a lot in the media and stuff sort of skewers your view on these things because. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've noticed that in general, the general acceptance of trans people over the last 10 years, that has changed a lot. Uh, people are in general more accepting now. And I've noticed that in, in like settings where I come out or have to come out as a trans person where that becomes relevant for some reason, I notice that I, I have to explain less to people. For example, when you're mm-hmm. with medical personnel and uh, you notice that uh, some people uh now they know more they've pers- they've they've noticed more of the stuff going on in the media they're more up to date and they also realize that bodies can be different and they've become better at at uh, instead of just assuming what your body is now like they 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 mm-hmm. they're more open to the fact that well there might be some stuff here that we don't perceive uh should we maybe uh, ask some questions so um yeah and I've noticed that uh, back in the day, also with the same with medical professionals, they could often misgender me in the paperwork. That doesn't happen. And oh, oh, how? No, it's like, uh, after coming out, they would write like, well, the patient is this and that, and he has this and that, and we should try and <laughs> okay, do this. Okay, okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, so, and, and now it's like, when you go through any paperwork they're written about you, uh, especially after 2016, when we got that new gender recognition law, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, 
they've they've changed in their attitudes and they like consequently refer to me as she and that's nice uh yeah <laughs> appreciated but also like when i have because uh, at my day job is a is a hairdresser and um i noticed that when i uh it doesn't i don't often come out as a trans woman I often i more often come out as a lesbian though and, uh, and yeah um, in um when I have them in my chair, because usually you get to talking with customers and are quite talkative and, and they uh, would talk about their families and they would, for example, ask about mine. And a lot of them would just assume outright that I have a boyfriend. Okay. <laughs> and that, here's where being trans comes in, because usually I would like people to not just assume that everybody's straight, yeah. but at the same time, that means that they perceive me as a woman and that's nice. So it's like, it's it's a sort mm -hmm. of gender euphoria, but at the same same time, it's like, yeah, but don't assume my sexuality at the same point. But when I just... Yeah, just because you're one thing doesn't mean you're automatically something else. <laughs> Precisely, too. yeah. And um, when they... Um, when they... Uh, uh, when I correct them, just by saying, well, she works in a kindergarten, they just automatically correct themselves and just don't make a big deal out of it. Whereas in the past, people would often be like, oh my god, I'm so sorry that I assumed. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. And made like a big scene, and now people are more like, oh yeah, sorry, yeah, her, there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fine, yeah. Well, that's, that's positive in some ways, and also, I mean, the stereotypes of automatically asking a girl or a, or a um, a woman, so who's your boyfriend, is still something I think is quite normal in all societies, um, sadly, that stereotype, where being straight is still normal or the overall um, perceived normal, I think. Yeah, and, and so. statistically, <clears throat> they have a big chance of being right, but yeah, the world doesn't work like but that. Not always. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Has there been someone in your life, um, you know, as I mentioned, like a teacher or someone who you looked up to, who is, um, or who made a positive behavior that made you more comfortable with your journey as a trans, or that it made it more b beneficial and easier for you as you met that person? Well, um, as a trans person, um, I was quite fortunate to meet uh, Espenester Pirelli Bernstein, who is like mm -hmm. the uh, big guru or uh, the uber trans, if you want, um, <laughs> in Norway. Uh, they were the first yes. to come out publicly, and they, they have a changing gender expression, and they're also a professor of sexology. Uh, <coughs> and... Uh, by really good luck, I was fortunate enough to get a meeting with them to start my um, treatment, basically. My, uh, th mm -hmm. And this was before I came out publicly. Uh, so I was, I was starting um, living... I was, I was in that between land where you shift your gender expression to you know, test out how you want to be in like safe spaces mm -hmm. before you actually come out. And they uh, they were the first ones to say because um, I wasn't sure if I was trans enough because I had been told pretty directly by um, a, a patient organization and 
by other professionals that I wasn't trans enough because I had a kid from before mm. and I was a lesbian and I insisted on having not a hyper-feminine express gender expression. Despite mm -hmm. me saying I was a woman, I didn't want to live like a yeah. 1950s version of it. And uh, <laughs> which, which is, how dare I? Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and, and Espenester <laughs> was the first one to say, uh, but you are precisely as trans as you need to be, and you're trans mm -hmm. enough. <clears throat> and Absolutely. And, and that... I think that's really important. It, it was super important because that is something that I've been saying to other people again when they have been unsure of the same thing. And, um, mm -hmm. and, and they also said another thing that I really, really liked, and that was, it is important to hurry slowly. Because <laughs> when you come out, <laughs> you slowly. suddenly have like, you're short on time. You got to hurry. You got to be super fast with everything. And and they sort of they don't hit the brakes, but they make you just slow down and perceive more of the things around you, and feel your feelings and be more open to, well, is this necessarily what I want to do, or do I want to go this mm -hmm. way instead? I don't know. Wow, that is that is very. I mean, I don't. I'm, I'm not sure that every person has. The, that lucky first meeting of someone you know who is uh, that supportive or even that open about themselves so I guess that that is something really nice so when did you seek them out or or did they well, how, how did you find them well the, the by luck part was that uh, I I um, contributed to a um, a research project by a psychologist who was uh, writing their masters, I think it was about um, passability and uh, the the importance of passing for trans people, um, and I met them at an office in Oslo uh, where I talked to them, and we just kept on talking after like the research part was done, and they and they um, they told me that well, so you're not getting treatment right now, and I'm like no. Uh, and I don't know what to do because the um, the public health service just ain't for me. They've already sort of told me that they don't want me. And and the, the psychologist again just goes, well, we are in Espen Esther's office right now. This is what I'm borrowing. Do you want me to put you in con contact with them and maybe get a meeting? Yeah. And I'm like, shit, do I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was like that. So uh, that person uh, sort of set it up. Just yeah. Uh, and when I was like, wow. And then I went to Espenester for I think it was about a year. I got uh, hormone replacement therapy and the other stuff I needed. And we um, and then I gave up my spot so another person could take it because. Any further treatment I wanted and needed, I had to get elsewhere. And also the hormones, that the prescription for those, uh, my general physician could just keep going for me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was... Uh, well, that's a good transition into um, your personal physician, I guess. Yeah, it was. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was like, because at that point, like every like dosage and everything was already measured out and the blood work had been done and you already began seeing the effects on the body and the general physician could just keep it up going and uh, 
he's a super chill dude that I like. So uh, and he's trans positive, <laughs> and but at the same time, he's like he he's the good kind of doctor who who does his job right. So he yeah. he, he makes yeah. sure that everything's on the up and up. So he keeps an eye on my blood work, make sure I don't die. It's nice. <laughs> Highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. That that's good. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I guess we already kind of touched upon this, but you know, as the YSOF community, we are also there's also a lot of sex educators, and um, well, we would like to know if there's something that you would like to share with them in terms of how they can you know, prepare their sex education into a more, uh, something positive, something positive that we can add to our sex education um, services. Well, um, don't assume that everybody likes using their genitals, maybe, because um, trans people often have, not all of them, but often have, um, the gender dysphoria quite often related to their genitals and maybe doesn't don't like to have for example <coughs> if you're a a woman and you have a penis for example you might not want that stimulated you might not want it touched or used or even talked about during sex and finding other ways to stimulate or finding ways to even though you don't like it find gender-affirming ways to stimulate a penis, for example, uh, could mm-hmm. be a great way to uh, experience sex, being sex positive at the same time as managing your dysphoria. So, for example, I know yeah. some trans women will, for example, rub their penis instead of masturbating it, like straight up and down, like you usually see cis men do, not that you see them do that mm-hmm. so often, but... It's not like well, if you watch porn, then you for example, yeah. Uh, so everybody is. I'm just assuming everybody knows the general way a cis man would masturbate. So, yeah, and a trans woman would, for example, use two fingers and rub it while it's lying up towards your body instead. So yeah, oh. so you rub that. Well, that's interesting. So it's more like more like rubbing a clit basically than rubbing a penis. No, masturbating yeah. a penis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so did you get that, listeners? That don't assume everybody wants to use their genitals all the time in, towards sex. There's other ways. Yeah, <laughs> and there's, you have a ton of parts of your body that can be erogenous zones. And, well, as long as there's consent and the willingness to try and patience, you can figure out yeah. a ton of different ways to pleasure not only yourself, but your partner. Yeah. So... For our final question, as you listeners know, we have several other episodes in this podcast, and one of them is about sex toys. So for our final question, we would like to know if you are comfortable sharing some positive experiences that you have had with um, exploring sex toys or buying them. I have. Or do you have any? Oh, oh, do I have? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, of course I have sex toys. Like, uh... Sex toys, I wouldn't say it's a must because you can get by without them, but they certainly do add an element mm-hmm. of spice uh, or they can even be like gender affirming or or help you out uh, even if you're alone or with a partner. So I would highly recommend getting yeah. sex toys, like figure out what kind of sex toys you want. Is it a dildo? Is it a masturbator? Is it a whatever, actually? Just 
get it, play with it, buy it cheap first, then buy a more expensive version when you break that first thing. Um, just to <laughs> when see you break it. Kind of, <laughs> when you break it, sometimes shit breaks. <laughs> yeah, true, uh, true. Or or you don't know how to treat it right because certain, like for example, when it comes to uh, uh, dildos, uh, certain dildos need to be treated differently than other dildos, or they can't be in contact with certain yeah. materials without getting a bunch of shit on them <laughs> or stuff like that. L literal and shit also use or condoms <laughs> to make your well that can happen. Absolutely, as well. absolutely. A anal play. Uh, and remember to wash. Yes. Uh, <laughs> not just right. yourself, but also the sex toys after use. For love of God. Um, yes. But yeah, absolutely. no. Um, Discovering sex toys was fun, and discovering them with someone, my partner, my girlfriend that I'm with right now, uh, we've been together for what feels like eternity, <laughs> and we're probably going to stay together for quite some time, unless something happens, plot twist. Um, <laughs> it's, it's been fun. Great. So we've, we've co collected a uh, vast collection over the years, and I highly recommend it, uh, depending on what you want to use and depending on what genitals you have. Uh, but there's also other stuff and don't be afraid to try new things but talk about it first and start slowly yeah. uh and there is n not a concept called well th there is nothing called there is too much lube <laughs> you can always have more yeah lube. use f lube lots and lots uh, of lube. lube we love lube <laughs> lube is great lube is great okay well Thank you so much for this interview. This was so much fun. I hope you had as fun as well. I had a, fun, a super fun time. Thank you so much for yeah, having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, thank you. Wow, what a great talk. Thanks again so much for this, and especially about being so open and honest with us and our listeners. Yes, I think this was amazing, and I hope you had as much fun as we had with you. Yes, thank you all. Well, Laura... What did you, what are you taking with you from this interview? I think a lot, um, but especially how important it is to include personal experiences in understanding someone else's journey. And although that is personal um, and not everyone feels the same way about things, I think we really shed some light on what sex, sex positivity means um, to young trans people. What did you like, Thea? Yes, I agree. I really appreciated how raw and honest Adrienne and Christine talked about their lives. And I think I have some movies to watch and people to follow on social media who are actively inspiring the trans and non-binary community. Further, it made me more aware of how being sex positive and educating is very important to young people's well-being and ability to explore their own sexuality. Yeah, and I hope our listeners learn something too. Or maybe got some questions answered about what sex positivity for young trans people means. Yes, so now that we have come to yet another at the end of yet another episode, I hope people feel inspired to learn more about trans and non-binary people's journey. And maybe also about trans and non-binary rights and activism. Yes, and representation media. And what still needs to be done for true equality. And how we can help create more sex positivity for young trans people through our sex education approaches. That's right. If you, our beautiful listeners, are interested in learning more about trans legal victories, labels and language, or visibility in media, we will post some resources for you on our YSAFE webpage in the coming months. 
Please also check out our other podcast and tell us what you would like to know even more about. And most importantly, thank you all for listening. Have a gorgeous day in this corona time, everybody. Love yourselves and be proud of yourselves. Bye. Bye.